Hello out there, lovely listeners. Welcome to Junited, a unique podcast to fight Jew hatred. Practical solutions mixed with humor, fun, and friends. I'm Naomi Friedman from Stop Anti-Semitism Now and founder of Stop BDS on Campus. And my guests today are Laura Kessler, host of Talking Points and director of Diaspora Affairs for Jewish TV Channel, and Amy Rosenthal, Times of Israel columnist who reports on anti-Semitism, and co-founder of North Carolina Coalition for Israel. Hello, ladies. Hi, Naomi. (laughs) (laughs) Our topic today is the movie Golda. Golda, starring Helen Mirren, will be released on August 24th at AMC, Regal, and Cinemark Theaters across the United States. And two weeks before its release, the rating war has already started, meaning that anti-Israel activists are already hard at work review bombing it. Um, Do you guys know what review bombing is? Because I didn't know. My son had to tell me. (laughs) It means anti-Israel activists are trying to drive down Golda's ratings on movie platforms like IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Um, And it's not the first time uh, that this has happened. Um, In general, uh, anti-Israel activists like to give movies that depict Zionists as bloodthirsty, greedy, or all-powerful high marks, and movies that depict Zionists like us as humans, low marks. (laughs) So um, as of August 11th, the movie, which has not been released yet, had 279 reviews on IMDb with 83 people who have not seen the movie giving it a one star mm. and 93 right <laughs> and 93 people who like Jews giving it 10 stars so for those for those of you who uh, like statistics that means 63% of the reviews are likely ideologically motivated so here's a quick thing that you can do to fight anti-semitism go online and give the movie a fair review Reviews came in from Egypt, Germany, and the UK, Israel, and the United States. And the only place the movie had actually been screened was Israel and Germany. So that means that reviewers from Egypt, the UK, and the US were reviewing the movie without actually having seen it. So um, just as part of our first little interactive segment, I just was going to ask you, to guess how many of the 18 Egyptian reviewers gave Golda a one star? Amy? I would guess 18. <laughs> Laura, do you concur? That's very specific. I'll agree with Amy. <laughs> you are right. You are right. <laughs> guess how many of the UK uh, reviewers gave, gave the movie a one star? Hmm. That's more difficult. Um, <laughs> what what's that? Ten? I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess fifty percent. Oh my gosh, that is that is just about right. Fifty three percent. But you know, most Jews who I've talked to and probably you and yeah, you and I were all pretty excited about this film. So um just to give you an idea, like the bulk of people you know, that were rating in Germany gave the movie seven, eight or nine. So that's pretty good, and I would I hope everybody yeah. will go out there and see it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Golda. She's probably one of the few political or religious figures about which mo- Jews mostly agree, right? I mean, we have a yeah. consensus, right? <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah. loves Golda. Everybody loves Golda, but why? That's the question. Why? What makes her like such an icon for us 
you know, of pride. I mean, she was well, the first, first woman prime minister. She had to preside over a really difficult time, and she had all those great one-liners. You know, I love the timeline. <laughs> yeah. when, when, when she, I, I can't remember. You probably know. Um, there was a speech she was giving, and it was running really, really late. And when she finally was the guest of honor giving her speech, she said, everybody go home. You're probably tired or something like that. And I, I just <laughs> love that. She was like a mom as well as a leader. She's just a good feminine leader. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's why we love her is that she's like a like a great Jewish mom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, what about you, what What about you, Amy? What makes you you love her? Well, you know, of course, I remember her as a kid growing up, and you know, there was great admiration in our all our community, you know, for her. But I also read her autobiography. And especially her early years, it just puts you, you know, where she was growing up. Um, you know, they left Russia and then I think went to Michigan. The years were very, very inspiring. Yes, 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 yes. One of the reasons why I love her is that one of the things that people incorrectly claim, people, you know, who love Zionism and and, and even more so people who hate Zionism, is they claim that uh, Zionism is a creation of wealthy Western European Jewish men, right? And that's just not true. You know, Theodore Herzl is no more a founder of Zionism than my grandmother was, you know, who mm-hmm. I, think, I think you all have heard, you know, my stories of, uh, as a child, her patrolling Petah Tikva with a stick on the lookout for Ottoman soldiers. So... You know, it it wasn't Herzl who founded Zionism. You know, it was it was God. You know, <laughs> he said he said to Abram, Abraham, you know, go to the land of Canaan, and I will make a great nation of you. So I mean, you know, Mafitom is that you know had you know Zionism is a colonist, you know, Western European thing phenomena. It's not, and you know, before Herzl, we had. Native com- communities of Sephardic, Mizrahi, and Ashkenazi Jews who were establishing neighborhoods outside of the city walls of Jerusalem when the population there exploded. And we had Sephardic families who, it was Sephardic families who founded the first neighborhood in Tel Aviv, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. so when they say Western, you know, wealthy Western European Jewish men, you know, I'm like, you know, that's not, you know, that might be the story that, the dominant story, but the dominant narrative, but it's wrong. <laughs> well, it was Spartacs that, that began in America first also. I think everybody yes. marginalizes that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Golda wasn't Western European, and she wasn't wealthy, mm-hmm. and right. she wasn't actually a man, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, oh, no. so she, she belies the myth. So right. um, anyway. To delve further into Golda, well, what she was and what she wasn't, I've, I've put together a short trivia quiz. And so I'm going to ask you a question and just wait a few minutes so that the listeners at home can have a chance to think about it before we give them the answers. Are you guys ready? Okay. We're ready. All right. Okay. So number one, where was Golda born? Who? Laura, Amy, you actually already said it. I'll get more specific. Was it Poland? It was Poland, it, right? It was Russia. It was well. I mean, Russia. it depends. Oh. Yeah, Russia. I mean, it, it was. Uh, it was mm-hmm. the city that we, we used to call Kiev that we now call Kiev. Mm-hmm. The city now associated with another, you know, um, 
gutsy Jewish leader. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where she was born in, in 1898. All right. Are we ready for the next one? Mm-hmm. We're Number ready. Two. <laughs> what was Golda's original hair color? <laughs> Amy? I've, hmm, that's a tough one. Of course, I've seen old pictures and they're black and white, so it's hard to tell, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what would what, what you say? Uh, I would guess black. And you wanted to say gray, didn't you? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Excuse me. Of course I do. Yes. <laughs> we all want to say gray, right? <laughs> Which, but you're right. She was. She was born either with. Yeah, I think. I think with very, very dark brown hair. <laughs> but you know, it's just that iconic. Those iconic pictures. Sure. Okay. Okay. Number three. In her autobiography, Golda mocks which popular musical play used to depict the lives of Russian Jews in Tsarist times. This is a hard one, but Amy's read the autobiography. I know. I know. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> I think I know. Okay. Tell me. Fiddler on the Roof. Yes. Excellent. She said life was no fiddler on the roof. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when she grew up, and I think, Amy, you were touching on this, her mom didn't have enough food to give the whole family. And she had to choose between whether to give the baby, whether to give Golda, or, you know, whether to give um, her older sister, Golda's older sister, who would go to school and faint, you know. So Golda really felt Fiddler on the Roof romanticized life in Russia and didn't really explain, you know, how bad it was for the Jews. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, when I was talking, when I, when I spoke to Dara Horn last month in my interview, she was saying how it's, like, totally white. It's just, it just had the Hollywood treatment. Like, you know, the real Fiddler on the Roof story was very depressing. People died. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's a good point. Right. So that's something people should know about. Yeah, yeah. If you read the if you read the uh, story, it's not the same as the play. True. Very, very <laughs> sad actually. Very tragedy. Yeah. Really. and I think it's called some like, Tevia's something. Tevia's the name of the story. Tevia the Milkman. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, number four. After Golda, after Golda's family immigrated to the United States to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, what movie? What movie? What movement did she join? <laughs> Any guesses? <laughs> what movie? What movement? What movement? We know. We you guys know. We know, yes. The Labor Zionist okay. Movement. Yes. Very nice, very nice. Better known today as Habonim. You know, there's, there's still camps there. You know, yeah. we still have camps north in North America. So like so many Jews at the time, um, she was socialist, and she immigrated to Israel with her husband in 1921, where she moved up the ranks of the socialist organization. Like, you know, Histadrut and other organizations like that. So mm-hmm. um, number five. To what? To which country, which was considered Israel's greatest potential ally, was Golda sent as an ambassador in 1948? Ooh, <laughs> ooh, it's tough. Who was considered Israel's greatest potential ally? 
Any guesses? Well, you would think the United States, but I don't think that's right. <laughs> You're but right. Earlier, Russia and France were more helpful. That's right. The Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. She found herself back in the USSR, boy. <laughs> I cheated because I learned that from you, Naomi. Oh, okay. <laughs> you mentioned that in our interview, so that's how I did <laughs> So people mistakenly think that the U.S. and Israel have always been close allies, but in fact it was the Soviet Union that appeared to be Israel's most natural ally in 1948. The USSR was communist. The Israeli government was socialist. So you'd think natural allies. All right? But wrong. Golda was really not impressed with the Russian version of socialism. The, you know, people who went with the ideals of socialism and then found out what communism really was, you know, was in practice were pretty uh, disillusioned. And the USSR decided that they didn't really like Israel either <laughs> because the, the Communist Party, I think it was in 1951, failed in, in the elections. And, um, and, so, and the more moderate socialists took over. And then in the, in the Arab world, you had these revolutions that were occurring that put socialists in power, and the Arab world was far bigger. And so um, the USSR found itself kind of supporting Egypt, Syria, Iraq, and, and the Arab countries in general as allies. And that's kind of the background. The reason why I went on about that is that's the background that the movie Golda will step into, the Cold War and mm-hmm. um, the expansion of Russia uh, mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the Middle East. Okay. Number Question number six, Golda eventually became labor minister and foreign minister serving in David Ben-Gurion's cabinet. What did Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister, famously say to explain how Golda was different from the others? Any ideas? Well, there's the obvious one, but I think it's kind of a turn on the obvious. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Do you want to state it out loud? <laughs> I think nobody actually wants to say it. <laughs> she was the only person in the room with balls. <laughs> That's actually yeah. it. But I think you're right. He said the only man in the cabinet, but we, we popularly like talk about it as the only person in the room with balls. Um, Number seven. During what war did Golda serve as prime minister? Mm. Oh, boy. That was tough. It's a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, most, what, what, what she was prime minister, let me give you a hint. She was prime minister between 1969 and I think she might have stepped down in 1974. Well, that would be the 1973 Yom Kippur War then. Yes, exactly. But it's a trick question because actually there were two wars. And the first war people don't really know about. But there was a war of attrition. And Amy, did you live in Israel during the war of attrition? No, 64, 65. So, you know, we were, uh, couldn't go to Israel. uh, I'm sorry, half of Jerusalem and that sort of thing. So, no. Right. I see. I see. And I I did. I lived lived there. And and it was basically Mm -hmm. attacks along the border um, from the Egyptians. The PLO would come in and attack. Mm -hmm. And so it was this slow war of attrition, kind of similar to what's going on today. But today we have non-state actors. Mm-hmm. So, 
Okay. Yeah. Now, here's the final question. Uh, what was Golda's major contribution to Israeli fashion? One of her, her long-lasting <laughs> legacies. Oh, <boy>. Compression socks? Let me give you, shall I give you some three choices? Okay. Okay. A, the miniskirt fad in the 1960s. B, the checkered scarf which was later adopted as the checkered keffiyeh worn by Yasser Arafat and other members of PLO. <laughs> C, clunky orthopedic-like shoes worn by IDF soldiers until 1987. Uh, I'm going with C. <laughs> I have to agree with that. I love the clunky shoes, yes. <laughs> All right, consensus. We have a consensus. Um, yeah, that's right, C. So... <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's let's uh, remind our our listeners once again to go to their favorite movie rating site and make sure to give Golda a ten, or really whatever you think is fair after viewing the movie. And just to, not to to get too serious and too depressing, but let's just talk about why this is important. And for those of you who've been following over the past year, Netflix released a movie from Jordan which claimed to be a true story, but basically depicted Israelis as ruthless murderers. Um, And what was amazing about this was that Jews went online en masse and signed a petition directed at Netflix asking them to remove that movie because it was a modern-day, you know, blood libel. It claimed to be Mm -hmm. a true story, and it it depicted us as vicious murderers, which, you know, Mm I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't feel like a vicious murderer. <laughs> or any Definitely of my, not. Right. <laughs> and the, but what was really cool was that this, this petition garnered, I, just, I was watching it climb you know, from 10,000 to 100,000 to 200,000. It, it got a quarter million signatures, a quarter of a million Jews, you know, <laughs> and, and that's just a lot. And Netflix promptly ignored us. And and in the meantime, the anti-Israeli crowd went on to IMDb and Run Tomatoes and Google and gave this Goebbelesque-like movie, like, stellar ratings. Mm. 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 Terrible double standards. Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. Just to repeat, go, go, listeners, go give Golda the the ratings she deserves. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, because because the thing is, is that our narrative, our stories are not getting out there. And as a result, people are believing terrible things about us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this movie is a real, real opportunity to try to, to challenge the anti-Semitic tropes of us as bloodthirsty and, um, you know, and all powerful that, that are coming out there. So, mm-hmm. So that's why this is so important. And in the meantime... We'll close the, the, the podcast. In the meantime, if you or someone you know uh, experiences anti-Semitism and you're wondering how to most effectively deal with it, feel free to reach out to us at Junited, that's J-E-W-N-I-T-E-D, at Proton, Proton, not an electron, but Proton.me, <laughs> and we can address uh, the problem and the best solutions that we currently have within the Jewish community in future episodes, and hopefully with a bit of fun, a bit of laughter, um, and, and taking things seriously. 
My guests today are tireless activists from Stop BDS on Campus, a social media-based grassroots organization that has been fighting anti-Semitism in our educational system for over eight years. You can find us on Facebook if you would like to join the fight. Thank you and stay safe. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you. Thanks, Naomi. Jewish TV Channel, the voice of Jewish communities worldwide.